Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I'm your co-host Agnes. And I'm Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We're very grateful you could join us today. Today's episode is all about religious trauma, gender norms, and expectations. For anybody that has not already checked out our episodes three and four, which are on religious trauma, purity culture, and sexuality, parts one and two, definitely check those out as well if you are really interested in this topic. This topic kind of snowballs off of that one. We talk a little bit more about the different norms and expectations that were put on us as Catholic girls, the types of things that we had to do versus what our male counterparts got to do. And sometimes we talk a little bit about what clothing, um, different things we're allowed to do, sports, and the different types of paths we're allowed to take in life based on being born in a female body within an organized religion. So both Margaret and I kind of grew up in two different generations um, within our family of, you know, how the rules have changed and what was expected of us, you know, having an 11 year age gap. But I think with this episode, we really kind of found a common ground and realized how similar our experiences were, um, even though you were in a completely um, different stage of your life when I was going through these things and vice versa. Yeah, and I think it's so cool because like in episodes three and four, we really dived into how you struggled being a bisexual woman with an organized religion, where I am a straight woman, but I struggled a lot with feeling masculine energy and having that really shamed out of me as a child. So I've definitely struggled more with like my gender identity. So it's kind of cool how we were able to sort of contrast that with this episode. Yeah, I feel like um, we're able to just really dive into like all the things that are also surrounded with the religion that we grew up in and like the different sections of the religion. We talked about what it means to be a housewife or a stay-at-home mom and then also talked all about nuns and like what nuns go through. So I think that was really interesting for us to just kind of like talk about that. I don't think we've ever discussed that before. I know. I definitely learned some things. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get right into it. Hey, girl. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm trying to like decompress after moving. Tell us about that. How was it? Well, I'm now. Well, okay. The movie was awful. Terrible. I hate it. We had to sell like 98% of our possessions and move out of our big house. And now I'm living full time in a fifth wheel. So it's a huge lifestyle change. It was very stressful. But now we're settled in and I'm starting to unpack and trying to relax a little bit. So we're going to see how this goes because I'm in here right now with our two dogs and my son. Um, Yeah. So I'm just told everyone to be quiet, but (laughs) we're going to really see how this goes. Do you feel like, oh, I'm good. I was going to actually ask real quick. Do you feel like there's like, like, what are the negative parts of this move? And what are the positive parts about this move? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to have to kind of like sit on that. I mean, initially the good parts of course are all the money we're going to save the adventure, uh, minimalism. Like we're literally going to be practicing like minimalism to an extreme. We're going to be living a nomad lifestyle Um, So that's exciting. The negative so far, let me just say, it is really hard when you don't have a residential address anymore. Like so many hoops and barriers and things. So I'm like, oh my gosh, how do homeless people do it? Because technically, I guess we would we probably look like homeless people on paper now because we don't have a residential address anymore. And like, what do you do with like your bank and the DMV and all those places that require it? So that's challenging. Yeah, but what's We're still in- trying to figure that out. What's interesting about the homeless community, this is like very off topic, but they they really don't have like that at all. So that's what a huge setback is about them getting jobs and being yeah. able to even get started in the world is they don't even have basic shit like a residential address or a lot of them don't even have social security numbers or they don't know what it is or they don't have their card. 
they don't have any way to get an ID because they have no residential address. So exactly. Is an issue. I feel like I'm really going to learn a lot. And, and like another thing I'm trying to keep in mind is that we are very, very privileged. Like we have the money to be able to fund this whole move. We are choosing this lifestyle. We are not, we're not in a position where we were forced into moving out of our house and, and doing basically hashtag van life or RV life, whatever you call it. Like we chose this, but it's really making me appreciate, um, and, and recognize like how much privilege we have. And there's people that are forced into this that have no choice. And yeah, like thankfully we have good established jobs. We have a lot of things already going for us. It's not like I'm trying to apply for a job and I don't have an address, but oh my gosh, if I was in that situation, how horrible. So I feel like I'm going to really learn a lot <laughs> about the homeless community, you know, being in this, in this sort of new lifestyle, but I have no idea. I, I'm just going to have to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing? You're over there hacking up a lung. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking right now, um, maybe I have bronchitis. I know I'm like self-diagnosing. I know because you got ju- you just took a COVID yeah. test and you got negative. So you're good. So yeah. Hopefully. So at my, at my work, we, I was exposed to COVID. One of the attorneys got, well, whatever. Anyways, I was exposed to COVID and, um, I thought it was fine. And then they're like, oh, please take a COVID test before you all come back to work. Well, I come home like for, you know, my New Year's weekend and I'm like sick as hell. I'm like coughing and dying, like massive headaches. Like I don't really have like nose congestion. Like usually that would be like I would have a cold, but this is not a cold. Like this is something else. So I took a at home COVID test because it's fucking impossible to just go to CVS or Walgreens or your local pharmacy to get a COVID test because everybody's getting COVID tests, which is good. Like, I'm glad that people are getting tested, but it's really frustrating when I'm like literally experiencing symptoms. I have to cancel all of my weekend plans because I simply like don't know if I have COVID. And anyways, thank God that they have those at-home tests. So I took an at-home test yesterday it came out negative, but it was kind of confusing. But I had to take another one. I don't know. I have to ask. I have to ask. How much was the at-home COVID test? Um. Okay. So mom got it for me because mom sometimes babies me. I love it. I'm just um. She. Uh. No. She. She went to CVS. I think it was like ten bucks. Oh, that's not terrible. Yeah, but I was on the CVS website and I saw it. It was like a hundred thirty dollars. I was like, what the actual mm. fuck. Maybe that was like something else. I don't know. But I know that mom paid like $10 for it. So. Okay. That's not bad. I feel like I I do really quickly before we jump into our topic today. I feel like I do have to share with the audience about the story I told you the other day about the COVID tests. Oh, my, yes. Please. Students. Please go off. Oh, my gosh. Because this is crazy. Just like pause real quick here. So I have a piano student and her mom is from England and they had family that were visiting from England here in Nevada in the United States over the holidays and so they were telling me last week I was having a conversation with my student's family and the mom goes yeah so my parents were here for Christmas and they they really just kept commenting on how strange things are in the United States and I'm like oh really how like like no shit and uh, she says, yeah, they show up and, and they have like all of these COVID tests that they brought with them. And they're like, oh, yeah, the government sends out COVID tests to every household. Like every week you get a batch, a package from the government with COVID tests for everyone to like be taking tests and staying safe. And so they were like, you know, asking us if we had our COVID tests. So we were like, no, like we don't we don't get COVID tests. And they're like, what? The government doesn't send you COVID tests? <laughs> she's like no you have to like go to a testing site or you have to go to the store and spend all this money on COVID tests or most of the stores are out of stock and they were horrified they're like are you kidding me like this is America like you're not getting free COVID tests sent to your house and then they were also horrified about just our entire medical system they're like you have to pay to go to the hospital 
<laughs> How it was like culture shock for them i know right like culture shock like people coming from other countries that can take care of their people coming to the united states which is like one of the wealthiest con- like countries in the world and they're like you're not getting like just basic necessities what <laughs> that's so, so crazy yeah and it's funny how it's old people saying that. Usually old people are like the super conservative, like, my money is my money type of people. You get old people from like other countries and they're just like, like, how do you not understand this whole concept of um, like universal health care or like, like national health care? Like, how do you not like get a- have that? Yeah, it's just like common sense and it's just like basic human dignity in other parts of the world and you come here and it's a privilege not a right so that's crazy i know anyway i digress so we're going to talk today about religious trauma specifically around gender norms and expectations i feel like we like i definitely want to have this conversation because i have stuff to share but we've also been getting such a big following on TikTok. Shout out to TikTok. It's like such a cool community there. But we've got so many amazing followers and people that we're following. And it's just like a great community. Like I feel like I've connected with so many different content creators on there. And a lot of the topics that we're all, we've all been discussing is around religious trauma and deconstructing these organized religious systems. So I definitely want to kind of circle back. I think our last time we really had a full episode designated with this topic was episodes, was it three and four? When we did um, purity culture and sexuality, parts one and two. So yeah, I would love to dive back into it. So gender norms and expectations. You and I have talked about this a lot, just privately. Um, I think we probably have different experiences with it because kind of what I learned about you, Agnes, from episodes three and four, you had really like trauma around your sexual orientation, you know, recognizing and, and realizing that you are bisexual and what that felt like to realize you're bisexual um, within the Catholic religion where that's like super sinful. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like my journey has been a little bit different I do not identify as bisexual I I identify as straight but a lot of my trauma has come from the gender norms and expectations of having a female body and thankfully I I don't know about thankfully but just I my journey has not been that I struggled with my female body but I've really struggled with how I'm supposed to present myself in the world. And I've really struggled with what's expected of me because of my female body. So that's kind of like a whole intersection of patriarchy, like patriarchal um, norms, patriarchal culture, um, religion, the family dynamics, all of that kind of comes together, I think, with this topic. Um, What has been like your experience like I, I don't know as a girl because you've had a lot of stuff around the ca- the catholic school you went to is there anything that comes to mind with you regarding like expectations that were put on you because you're a girl versus like your male counterparts or your male peers yeah so I feel like one of the biggest things that I struggled with was clothing so that I feel like that's such a huge topic like modesty I know same all of that <laughs> Yeah. So I remember just my entire life, but especially in high school, it was really hard because so I'm not like super tall. I'm like five, six, five, seven, but I have like very long legs and that makes it really hard to like find clothes that like or like skirts or dresses that go past my knees. Like it's near impossible. Wait, so, hold, on, hold on a second because I have really long legs, too. Do you have like a shorter than average torso? Or is your torso like normal? yes? Okay, me too. It's very short. I same. It's so That's weird. So wow, look at us. We're constantly yeah. like we'll have like some like <laughs> like interesting, unique trait about our bodies, and then we'll start like asking our sisters, and we're like, oh wait, it's like a family thing. So like the super yeah. long legs, but I've noticed that crop tops actually are like normal tops on me most of the time <laughs> because I have such a short I know. torso. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
but it was always so hard for me to like find skirts or or anything that like went past my knees so I remember like even my school uniform like it would it was like barely at my knee like I was just cutting it and I don't think they said much about it but I remember okay so for that school for PE we'd have to wear skirts which is so embarrassing like that is I don't know why that was allowed but we'd have to like wear skirts and I remember my PE skirt was like really short because I just like had long legs or whatever and like they called me out on it and it was like this whole thing and um after school events I'd wear like something and it was just this whole like topic like people would be like looking at me and then like by the end of the night like one of the parents would come up to me and be like you know your 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 clothing is a little too revealing like maybe next time try to cover up more which is just like insane like the audacity that a person's like I'm gonna go up to this person and make a comment to them about their clothing Okay, but here's the messed up part is that I remember um, at this time, I spent a lot of time going to sports games because our school had like sports and um, all of my high school boyfriends were in sports. So I'd always like want to go and cheer them on or whatever. And all of the boys, especially I remember in soccer, they would have like the shortest shorts. Like, you know how like men wear those like little tiny like booty shorts? Mm -hmm. That's like what they wore. And you could see they're like nuts, like laughing everywhere. It was disgusting. <laughs> and it's like they got away with wearing these like little tiny shorts. It's just like whatever. Like that doesn't even bother me. And um, for a female to show up to like a game or to whatever PE class wearing shorts that short, oh my god! Like she would burn in hell. Right. That's so strange. I remember seeing pictures. Um. I think it was of the, the, it was mom's yearbook from the Catholic school in Kansas. And you would see the girls basketball uniforms. And it was like these really long, like skirts slash shorts. I don't know, skorts or something. And then the boys were wearing these little short, like booty shorts. It's like, how did the boys get away with wearing that? But not the girls. Yeah. Well, I think it's this whole stereotype that men um basically can't control themselves and it's and women can so that's like if a woman sees a man wearing little booty shorts or whatever they're not going to look at at their body and objectify it but if a man looks at a girl that where her knees are showing or her shoulders are showing or a tiny bit of her cleavage is showing then they immediately start objectifying her but the messed up part is that once a man objectifies her, then it's suddenly the girl's fault and she should be shunned for it and it should be her fault. Exactly. Yeah. It's always the woman's fault. Ugh. Yeah. We talked a lot about that so in, those, in episodes three and four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Margaret? What was your experience with um, gender expectations? Well, so being the oldest girl in the family, like I definitely had a lot of things that were expected of me. And I think that that's also just because I was like I had to help mom. I think mom was so overwhelmed with everything. And I was the oldest girl and I just got roped into doing all the domesticated like responsibilities with her. So I remember just as a kid feeling so resentful because while our brothers, Andrew and John, they got to do, like, in my opinion, whatever they wanted. They got to get up in the morning and go out and play with their friends, do whatever the heck they wanted. But I had to, like, help with all the younger kids. I had to help with making breakfast. I was in charge. Like, lunch was my – preparing lunch for the whole family was my duty. I did that. Um I was in charge of a lot of the dishes. This is why I hate being in the kitchen now. <laughs> um, <laughs> like babysitting constantly, changing all the diapers. Like I was in charge of so much. Like that was just my daily, my daily duties. And my brothers got to do whatever they wanted. They didn't have to do that. Um, now they certainly kept themselves busy. Like I know Andrew and John, they were so like industrious and, and they were little entrepreneurs. They would go out and like make their businesses and mowing lawns and all that. But I didn't get to do that because I had to stay home and like raise all the younger kids. So I just remember that feeling so not fair 
that I they got to do whatever they they got to choose their day. I had no choice in my day because I was the oldest girl. I really understand that because even though you and I grew up in like different generations of the family, I had this same thing where it was like a constant struggle or like I was constantly angry that I was or I had to constantly help I mean because our little brother Luke was a baby at this time like when I was growing up and we always had to babysit him and he was like our responsibility and we always had to do the dishes and always clean up and do this and that but the older or my older brothers like they just got to get away with everything and do whatever the hell they wanted and there was like no question about it. So yeah dating was another thing too where like the boys I felt like there was no question around who they were seeing. There was no concern about what they were up to. But man, when I had a boyfriend or I was seeing a guy, oh my uh, gosh, every single element of it had to be controlled. There was like curfews. There was like all the ch- the, the checking in with parents of where I was. And there are so many rules around where I could go, who I could be with, what I could wear. Let me tell you, the first date I ever went on... I had to change my clothes like three times because I would come downstairs and mom was like, no, not appropriate. Go back upstairs. (laughs) I ended up having to like wear this long skirt and like long sleeves and boots like on my first date ever. It was so Uh, embarrassing. Did you change? Did you change your clothes after? No. Or like when you got, because I know know what you did when you were, (laughs) I I knew this about you. I was like a little girl watching you sneak out the house. (laughs) This bitch would put on, I think you said this before, she'd put on like her long mopping skirts and whatever the hell, her like turtlenecks. And as soon as her friend would like, what was it, Mary Kate, she would come swing by and pick you up. As soon as you get in the car, you'd be like pulling your clothes off. You'd be be wearing like low cut jeans and crop tops, (laughs) tank tops. (laughs) I totally did. But yeah, no, not when I, not when I went on dates. Cause it wasn't like I was going to get in the car and be like, oh, hang on. Let me take off my clothes real quick. (laughs) I have another outfit underneath. Hey, hey, he would want that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So like, yeah, in the early years of me dating, so like, well, okay, the early year, 16, I really was like trying to, I was really trying to be good. 17, I just gave up altogether. I was just hoeing it up. I didn't care anymore at that point. Um, But no, there was so much control. And I think actually that's probably why I became a little hoe at 17, because I got so tired of trying to follow all the rules around my dating life that I actually stopped. I think 17, I stopped telling mom and dad who I was dating. I didn't bring guys home anymore. I didn't introduce guys to the family. I kept my dating life super low key. And I would just, I had to sneak around because it was just impossible. But again, at the same time, My younger brothers had girlfriends. They were going out. They were doing stuff. And no one gave two shits where they were or what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Even when they... Because I know that a few of our brothers um, had lived at home like past 18. Just, you know, until they were able to move out and everything. But I remember even them being like 19, 20 and still living at home. And they had a little bit more freedom just because they were adults. I mean, there still were some roles because, you know, they were still living at home. But I remember them constantly bringing girls home. Like, there were always, like, girlfriends that we would meet. I remember being a little girl and, like, befriending, like, all of their girlfriends. And there was, like, no question. They'd, like, go in their rooms and hang out and shut the door. (laughs) See? That was never allowed with me. Never could I have ever taken a boy upstairs. (laughs) See, that's like totally normal behavior. I mean, most like most like nowadays, it's like whatever. I you know who cares if they did that? But it's just really frustrating as a child, being able to see my brothers get away with everything and be able to do all this stuff. And yeah, of course, like my mother would bitch at them sometimes, and or there would be like some drama about it. But when it really came down to it, they still got away with it. But us as females, there was like no question about it. And I remember even um, after my mom had left my dad and me and my siblings had moved to Phoenix and I had my first boyfriend, there was still like all of this drama around like what I wore around him or like this and that or like what we did together. And there was like still this like societal pressure that was even still on my family to 
um, expect me to be like this certain way so that I didn't like fall into sin or whatever the fuck. (laughs) So dating was one thing for me. My clothing was a huge issue. And I know you had the issue too with your long legs, going to Catholic school, all the critiquing around what you could wear. But a lot of my struggles when I was young was I hated feminine clothing. I did not want to wear dresses. I used to like go through the big JC Penny catalog. Do you remember those? Were those around when you were a kid? Like you would get in the mail, like the big thick JC Penny catalog. Like I don't remember that specifically shopping. for I don't remember that specifically for JCPenney, but we used to get it for all kinds of stuff, like other stuff. Yeah. Okay. So like back in the day before online shopping and the internet, you would get like the big thick catalog in the mail and you would go through the catalog and you'd figure out what you wanted. And there was a form in the back of the catalog and you would fill out the form with the item numbers of everything you wanted. You would write a check and you would mail the check and the form in and then they would mail you your stuff. (laughs) That's so weird. I know, right? It's so weird now. So I would go through the JCPenney catalog and I would go through the boys section and I would like pick out like in my head all of the clothes that I wish that I could wear. And it was like the boy baggy jeans, like the cargo pants. Oh my God, I wanted cargo pants so bad. All those pockets, like, oh my God, how handy, all those pockets. And like the the t-shirts, like the cool graphic t-shirts, like they didn't have any of that stuff in the girls section. And I just really struggled and resented the fact that I had to wear dresses because I couldn't do anything with dresses. Like I was such a tomboy. I loved going outside. I loved playing football. I loved climbing trees. Wearing a dress was such an inconvenience. And I would get in these like fights with mom about it as I got older because I wanted to wear jeans and she was like no you have to cover up and wear dresses and that's for boys and you're a girl I remember one day I can't remember the context of how this happened if it was around my clothes or something that I could or couldn't do I just completely broke down sobbing and I said to mom I said I wish I had been born a boy and of course you know I was like maybe 10 So, like, I didn't know what any of that meant. Like, I just literally wish that I had been born a boy. And it was nothing to do with my body. I didn't care about having a female body. That didn't bother me. It it was what I was allowed to do. It was how I was allowed to move through the world. That's what made me want to be a boy. And, you know, of course, back then, like, I had no idea about what it meant to be transgender or anything like that. Um, that was not a conversation that was even, I think, very accepted just in general at the, in that era. But I think mom probably knew what that meant. And I, I just remember her being so horrified that I made that statement. And she was like, don't you ever say that again. <laughs> like she was so oh mad. She was so mad that I said that. And I remember being kind of scared. Like she was like her reaction was so intense when I made that statement of saying, I wish I had been born a boy. Like she, I think she was scared when I said that because you know, what would that mean for our family? <laughs> if like the prize yeah. oldest daughter is God forbid, <laughs> right. is stepping outside How the scandalous. box, stepping outside the box she's supposed to be in. So yeah, it was really the expectation around what I could and couldn't do. Like football was one thing. I was so passionate about football as a kid. And I wanted so badly to play football, but it was girls don't play football. That's a boy sport. So that's like where a lot of, a lot of my trauma comes from was like the box I was put into as a girl, especially in religion, as a Catholic girl, what's expected of you, what you can and can't do. And then you look to your, you look around and see your male counterparts just getting to do all of these things that you want to do and you can't do it. Let's talk about sports for a second. Cause I can definitely understand like where you're coming from with all of that, like around you wanting to play football because growing up, our brothers got to play all the sports. I mean, they weren't like super involved, but I remember they got to play football for several years and just kind of like have that structure, that, that, uh, hobby. And I never in my entire life was ever in like an, an organized sport. 
And I remember being younger and I really, when I was a little girl, I wanted to like be a ballerina. I wanted to be in gymnastics. I wanted to like do all kinds of like sporty stuff. And I never got to do any of it because, well, first of all, it is extremely expensive, but my parents would like pay for or give their like extra time to my brothers doing sports. But when it came to the girls, it was like, yeah, that's something you could do, but I just don't have the time and energy. <laughs> so I remember mm-hmm. that being like such a huge thing for me and my sister is like, that's all we ever wanted to do was like be in some sort of sport. And then when I was in high school, I fell in love with soccer and I really wanted to play soccer or do some sort of sport, but it was the same conversation again. Like there just wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough money. Like it just wasn't like worth the efforts to like put me in that sport. Yeah. I think as a girl, like there are certain things that were prioritized. Like for me, it was music lessons. Like I could do music. Like that's perfectly acceptable for a good young Catholic lady to be educated with music but there's not much else that was allowed. I think one time I went to a volleyball camp, like that was allowed, but volleyball is a little bit, it can, can be considered more feminine, I, I guess. Like it's like yeah. softball, volleyball, basketball. There's like a few things that girls can do. And I understood that girls could do this because again, actually, you know what? Really quick. I don't know if you knew this, but I was supposed to go to boarding school in Kansas when I was in high school. <gasps> Shut up. Really? For when? real. Like when so you when were a freshman? A, yeah. You know, the, you know the SSPX boarding school in Kansas? Yeah. Like the St. Mary's, Kansas. Went? Yes. I was yeah, supposed to go there. Yeah, that cult-ass school. <laughs> I know. I was supposed to go there. Thank God I did not. But oh. when I was a kid... Like my whole childhood, mom was always telling me that's where I was going to go to school. So in my head, I kind of was just like expecting that. So I would sometimes sit and go through mom's like yearbook and go through like books that we had and information that we had about the school and just to kind of like get familiar with it. And I remember that, yeah, again, when we were talking about the the women's long skirts and the men in their booty shorts, I would see the sports in the in the yearbook and the women, they had women's basketball. I think they had volleyball. I don't know if they had softball, but I just remember like the basketball and the volleyball were like the two things that the women could do. And then of course the boys had all these other sports they could do. They had football and of course I wanted to play football, but mom was like, "Nope, that's not a girl sport. They don't carry that at the school." So those were my options. So I think I always just connected in my head that, oh, if you're a girl, you can play volleyball and basketball. And that's really all you're allowed to do in cheerleading, I guess. Right. You can you can cheer on the boys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ew. (laughs) I remember actually that. Okay, so we're going to talk about I want to touch a little bit on St. Mary's, Kansas. So, oh, my God, (laughs) because I want to spill the tea about this town. So it's like a fucking ghost story like it's fucking weird so there's this town in kansas it's probably like what like an hour or two away from west of um kansas city and missouri so yeah yeah so it's this like catholic based town like i'm pretty sure it's like 97 percent of the citizens of this town go to this big like catholic parish that's where my parents met and they got yeah they got married there so Mm -hmm. like literally so we I remember when I was younger like we used to go to this town like a few times like in this like spring break or summer or whatever and you go there and it feels like like an out of like earth experience (laughs) like it's it's super rural it's super rural because you're driving through the Kansas prairies and then you get to this tiny little rural town out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And the center of this town is this huge parish. Like the yeah. parish is like literally like a college it's campus. Huge. Yeah. And they have like the schools because they have a they have a college and then a whole school with a boarding school that's like what preschool through fucking uh bachelor college, you know. Yeah, all the way through college. And then they yeah. have the monastery, the convent. The, par- yeah. the church, like everything. It is huge. And then the whole town and is kind of like centered around this parish. Yeah. Like I, and you go to, so they all conform to this whole like SSPX um, form of Catholicism. So like you go to the grocery store and 
everybody's wearing like their long dresses you will like rarely see what see like a woman or a girl like wearing jeans or wearing you know normal clothing because it's just like not the culture there like Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how what the population is there but it's like it's a small town but like it's just very culty <laughs> if I'm gonna give it a name <laughs> so I remember going to this town when I was younger because we like knew people there and even at the, when I was younger like we used to make fun of it like all the time like we would definitely like even for us like being from the suburbs of Chicago we were a little like had a little bit of culture shock and we're like this is really creepy like these people are crazy so I remember I I um, think well because I think for us like we didn't know many other families that were as extreme as we were with our religion oh yeah so we were we were a little bit out there in the Chicago area and then you go to St. Mary's Kansas and suddenly we're not extreme anymore we're actually more average yeah no people we go to the store and people would be staring at us because we were like the weird like rebellious people and that like wasn't normal for us I think the last time I went to St. Mary's, Kansas, I was about 16 or so. So this okay. is like almost 15 years ago. And I think I was wearing, I was wearing a dress, of course, like I had to wear dresses, but I think I had like a tank top dress on. For some reason, it was the summer. Mom let me wear a tank top dress. I cannot tell you how much shade was thrown my yeah. way for wearing a tank top dress. Oh my God. Well, I remember at one point, um, growing up my there was like always a lot of rumors around like my family moving to another state that was just like a whole thing I don't know if you remember that but oh we were always we were always gonna move somewhere and then we never yeah did. it was like this like our entire lives my dad was like I got a job in South Carolina we're moving to South Carolina like it was and it was like a new place like every fucking year like it was traumatizing to my mother because can you imagine like your husband every year is like we're moving to another state and then we never do Mm -hmm. anyways one of the places for several years actually was St. Mary's Kansas and it was this whole thing that we were going to move there and we were going to go to the school and I did the same thing as you I we'd like get the yearbooks of the school or we'd like google it or look it up online and we'd be like snooping through like like the school or like looking through like the different stuff but I remember how weird it was like can you imagine if we moved there like I wouldn't even like be where I am now that's fucking crazy I know same like it's such a weird like I had forgotten I had forgotten for a long time that I was supposed to go there for high school. Thank what, God I did not, but... Why didn't you? What was the, like, the reason? You know what? I don't know. I'm sure money was part of it, because I think it yeah. costs money to go there, and it's not like we had much yeah. money to go around. Yeah. So I think money was part of it, and I, I, I really don't remember. I would have to ask mom yeah. why I didn't go. I kind of wonder how many of our listen- listeners know of St. Mary's, Kansas. Yeah, if you're listening and you don't know about St. Mary's, Kansas, like, look that shit up. <laughs> look it up. It's so creepy. Yeah, St. Mary's, Kansas, um, and then the St. Pius X organization within the Catholic religion. What's the name of the church? Do you know the name of the church or the parish? I have no idea. Probably yeah, St. Mary's something. Yeah. I think, yeah, probably St. Mary's something or other, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, look it up and see. But, yeah, there's, like, so much so much stuff around that and i think that i mean isn't that too like that's like the central hub for all the sspx yeah. parishes around the country right well there's a lot of people that i went to high school with or that i know that went to college in saint mary's or they're from saint mary's or they moved there after high school it's like the catholic like cat or sspx capital like it's fucking weird like that's where everyone like that's really rooted in that like sector of the religion like ends up because it's just like especially when people like young girls that want to get married like that's where they go to like meet their like they go there in hopes to like meet some good catholic boy and then they end up getting engaged like two months later yeah can we talk about this for a second because that's another thing when you're a young catholic girl and you're growing up you know most kids like when you're a little like you have things you fantasize about like oh when I grow up I want to be this when you are a young Catholic girl you have two options in life you have two things you can strive for you can strive to grow up and 
hopefully a, a good young Catholic man will pick you out and marry you up and impregnate you for the next two decades, <laughs> you know, being a, a Catholic wife. Or the only other option, if you don't get selected by a man, is to go become a nun. That's your two options. There are a few other things that you are allowed to do while you're waiting to either get selected by a man or um, get called to a religious vocation. And that is being a Catholic school teacher. Yes, that's what I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, being a Catholic school teacher is accepted while you're waiting for your vocation. Being a Um, nanny. Being a nanny, I guess a librarian, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you well no, because to be, a, to be a librarian, you have to go to college. And I mean, this is really depressing, but a lot of people that come out of this, of like high school and like this strict Catholic environment, most women don't succeed in college or they'll go to college for something like really random <laughs> I mean no shade for anyone that like doesn't want to go to college but there's just not a lot of women in this sector of religion that get educated in college because they don't they think you know well what's the purpose because if they go to college and they um, do something really like fancy with their life or whatever there's no need because eventually either a they're gonna become a nun or they're just gonna end up being a housewife or a stay-at-home mother Right. So that's kind of like the whole mindset of why waste our time and money on educating women, because you're only going to end up doing one of these two things. And and a lot of the teachers at these schools aren't don't even have college educations. I remember my um, so in the sophomore year of high school, I remember loving like I loved biology class. And that's like the only part of science that I like. And actually that biology teacher had like an associate's degree in like English. And they just like told her at the beginning of the year, like, oh, we don't have a biology teacher. Take this, this uh, textbook and just read it to the class every day. And that's literally what it was because I mean, like, I know that they were a small school and they didn't have money to like pay people that have like the degrees in this stuff but most of the teachers didn't actually have degrees in the proper things that they were teaching I mean there were a handful and I'm sure they got like paid more had more advantages but it's such a common thing for a lot of these teachers to just be be straight out of high school or you know have got got their associate's degree in something like super random Mm, I remember that about your school like hearing that a lot of the teachers there were like basically very very young adults who had either had gone to the school and graduated and were just like waiting to get married up by some boy (laughs) you know that's that's what a lot of and a few of them did a few of them did actually like a couple of my teachers I remember like the year and a half that I was there a couple of them like you know they were all single and pretty and waiting around and I remember a few of them did get married off and then they quit their job and they disappear and go move to some other state and we never hear from them again because they're probably sick and puking and pregnant. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful, but <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> I think too, like I'm trying to remember when I was a kid, like, so I, like, I definitely went through a phase where I wanted to be a nun. Like that was a thing for me when me I was too. Little. Like, I think yeah. every, every little Catholic girl like goes through that phase where you like fantasize about being a nun. And let me tell you, I think I fantasized about becoming a nun because I was like, oh, like go live in some convent where everyone's going to shut the fuck up yes. <laughs> and I can be left alone in peace without all of these crazy family members and people. <laughs> <sighs> so I was like, yeah, I think I, I think that's why I fantasized about being a nun because I, I would just like wanted to be left the fuck alone <laughs> I have a story about that so the junior my junior year of high school we took a field trip to a convent slash monastery in New Mexico I don't remember specifically what part of New Mexico but um we went there because they were I, I don't know the correct terminology but it's basically where they uh turn like the nuns into actual nuns I don't remember uh like where nuns become nuns it's like a whole ceremony I don't remember what it's called but um we went to this event in New Mexico and we took this whole field trip and we stayed at this family's house it was actually really fun like I remember it being like hard because I had to like find clothes that wasn't my school uniform to like wear and then um 
also like we weren't allowed to bring our phones which is like traumatizing for a 16 year old girl (laughs) she can't bring her phone for like three days (laughs) right but I remember going to New Mexico and we went to this monastery slash convent and we saw the whole ceremony which which was actually like very beautiful so it's very weird I remember it being outside and it was like in this huge like tent like makeshift church or whatever and the bishop was there And they had these women that, you know, had been training, I don't know what the word is, to be a nun for however many years. They had um, gotten to the point where that's where they um, knew that's what they wanted to do with their lives. And they would wear wedding dresses. I remember they were like real wedding dresses and they would walk down like it was like it was a wedding because in because they are marrying themselves to God. So they would wear these like long, what the, you know, they're super covered up wedding, wedding dresses and they'd wear veils and flowers. And it was this whole wedding ceremony of several girls and they'd all like walk down the aisle and then the bishop, there's it, just this whole fucking long ass thing. I remember my knees were like, oh, my knees hurt. <laughs> I'm like kneeling. I know, so you gotta kneel down in church. Oh, it's like a <laughs> four hour ceremony and I'm like fucking creaking and <laughs> <laughs> getting lightheaded because i can't i faint in church yeah Yeah, you gotta fast um, right (laughs) oh my god so i remember (laughs) i remember uh the when at some point in the ceremony they would go up to the bishop and the bishop would cut all their hair off (gasps) oh no yes i you (gasps) didn't know this that's what they did that's what they did so it was like a wedding and they would go and like part of them, their like devotion to God, they would cut all of their hair off and then they would like go to the back and they would like change into their nun clothes, whatever it's called. But I remember watching the, I feel bad. I'm like, part of me is like all oh, these poor girls. <laughs> it was almost like a human sacrifice it was like I mean I don't know I'm sure it it was like emotional for them because this is something that like I mean I think in a way we'll talk about that but there's like kind of a beauty in it in a way but they would be crying like it was like the girls would be up there getting their hair cut and they were just sobbing and I don't think it was like a sorrowful sobbing I think they were just crying because they felt so like close to God or something I don't know maybe it was just some sort of like um like they were so like spiritually like stimulated that it was just like I I don't know but I remember like just seeing them like it's like they're getting married and then they're cutting off their hair and then they go back and they change and they're just covered in black and then they would like and they're whatever outfit they're nun outfit I don't know what it's called I forget all this oh, shit the, the habit the nuns habit. the habit yeah, yeah they would change into it and then they, that would be like the end of the ceremony but um I feel so back to like what you were saying about fantasizing about being a nun I can look at this now like as a someone that is spiritual I think that there you know, outside of all the rules of Catholicism and everything, I think there really is something beautiful because you can look at like Buddhist monks. They live a similar lifestyle. I think being like a Buddhist monk is like fucking dope. Like I watch a lot of them on YouTube and stuff. Um, But it's this sense of cutting yourself out from like the pains and the um, just messed up part of living in this society and this world and devoting your life to prayer or meditation because prayer meditation from a spiritual sense has an effect there's an energetic effect of prayer and meditation Mm -hmm. not just on yourself but on the world around you and so a lot of these nuns they go into their quarantine or whatever they do to essentially pray for the world because they believe I mean whether this is true or not I mean technically it would be true in a spiritual sense they spend their lives praying for the earth trying to lift the energy of the earth to make the earth like a better place Mm -hmm. so in that sense I can see like there is from like a uh, non-organized way like it can be like a beautiful thing however yeah like there's still there's still value in that you know 
yeah i just think it's a little depressing like seeing it happen um but when we were in new mexico i'm sure i have pictures maybe i could like upload them on my instagram story but um it was so beautiful it was like in the middle of nowhere new mexico there was just mountains of green like it was beautiful and these huge buildings and they lived in these like it was just like an out of earth experience of them like living in this like little sanctuary of nature I don't know yeah it was really (laughs) cool but when I but then it also like the thought of it is like super depressing like I don't think it would ever survive yeah I guess that's kind of like how I feel about like wedding ceremonies you're like you know because you see like everyone looks so beautiful and like the the bride and groom are crying and it's like for a moment you get like kind of touched by oh it's so beautiful but then part of me is like this woman is sacrificing herself for the patriarchy <laughs> look at her she's becoming a dependent to this, this is man literally like- why i refuse to have like a traditional um like wedding for those who don't know when I got, because I'm legal, I'm legally married to my partner. We literally just fucking went to a courthouse. I wore this like little dress from Francesca, so we just went. We took some photos. I got some flowers from like Safeway, <laughs> and then that was it. Like I didn't even tell anybody because I'm like, why? Like why do I need to like put a like put photos all over the internet or to invite people to like this human sacrifice (laughs) not that it was a human (laughs) sacrifice but I like I refuse like for a while I thought about like having this like whole wedding and like going to like Malibu and like having this whole thing and like inviting the family and it's just like I don't know I'd rather go on vacation I'd rather go to Europe (laughs) yeah right like let's just not even fuel the wedding industrial complex and yes that's a thing I looked it up one time yeah so yeah no I actually so my first well my only marriage was to my son's father and we did the same thing we just went to the courthouse and you know I actually wore a black dress to my wedding oh really like on purpose yes because you know you're supposed to wear do you know the white dress it signifies like the pure virginity of the bride And I'm taking my, I, That's I showed up at my, I know, right? And I'm going to my wedding here and I have my child with me. Like I'm marrying my child's father. That's what happened. Wait, were you pregnant? Or did no, you, Bra- was he already born? Brayden was already born. How old so was he? Bra- he was only like a few months old. He was okay. a baby. But it's yeah. like, I'm showing up to my wedding here at the courthouse in Las Vegas and I've got my kid with me and I'm marrying his dad. Like I to- I was I wore a black wedding dress as a giant fuck you to like the religious ceremony because the religious ceremony well and, and I guess just everywhere you wear a white dress to signify the original meaning of that is to signify the purity and virginity of the bride. And I'm like I'm not a fucking virgin my kids with me. <laughs> so I wore a black dress on purpose as a fuck you to the white dress a fuck you to the virginity and to basically say i'm wearing a dress the color of my soul because i had sex outside marriage oh yeah (laughs) oh my god so i love that so that's what i did um and now i'm divorced and i'm with casey we've been together for what four four years i think now i don't even know that's terrible four (laughs) years four and a half years something like that and i don't want to get married like we've talked about it and i'm just like no like I don't want to get married it's not that I have a lack of commitment to Casey or I don't love Casey enough to marry him but I'm just like fuck you to the entire system I do not want to get married again fuck that yeah I just it's just the whole I don't know I I just I just have a lot of I have a lot of anger around like you know we teach women that yeah you can be a nun or you have to marry yourself to a man I'm like fuck you I don't want to do any of those things so I'm not gonna do it yeah that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast episode though yeah (laughs) yeah anyway we should probably wrap up for today gratitude Agnes what are you grateful for today (laughs) you always beat me to the question um (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I'm just kidding I am grateful for um, audiobooks because I, when I was younger, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks and it was so soothing to me. I mean, I loved reading, but I felt like audiobooks, like you could just listen to it all day. And so growing up, we didn't have a TV at home 
because you know good catholic families don't own tvs <laughs> and we would just like literally have nothing to do especially since i was homeschooled so i would just listen to audiobooks and just go about my day just having my headphones in and my little like cd player portable cd player oh back Anyways. in my day it was the portable tape player but yeah oh yeah no i remember those too i used to listen to those sometimes but um <laughs> i used to listen to a lot of audiobooks and since i'm sick right now and i have like a four-day weekend I don't have energy to read. I don't have energy to do anything. So I've just started listening to audiobooks. I'm listening to New Moon, which is the second Twilight book that I've been procrastinating to read. So I just started to l- listening to it on YouTube because I don't want to pay for Audible. <laughs> 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 Cheap things. Um, but yeah, I'm just super grateful to like be able to do that. It's relaxing. Anyways, what are you grateful for, Margaret? Um, I feel like after this conversation, I'm certainly grateful that I get to wear whatever the fuck I want (laughs) and do whatever the fuck I want, gender norms and expectations to the curb. I do not care. So I am grateful that I get to move through the world in a way that feels authentic to me and I get to express myself in a way that feels authentic to me. And might I add that Margaret has, like, a great taste in, like, fashion. Like, the clothes that she wears is so fucking cute. Like, I wish. Aww. <laughs> like, you're able yeah, to, as, like, as you're mix talking to me, mask- I'm literally... Go ahead. What? <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> you're able You're able to mix, like, masculine and feminine, like, those two styles, like, so well. And it looks really good. Aw, thank you. I I really try because I I don't even know. Like I I go by she, her pronouns, but I'm kind of like, I don't, so I don't like, I don't know. I struggle with putting labels on myself. Like I Mm -hmm. just, I identify as a straight woman with she, her pronouns. Um, But I remember taking a gender and sexuality class in school a couple years ago and I read the definition of gender fluid and I was like oh my god like that's it like that's 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 it like that's me that's how I have felt my entire life I just never had heard it put that way so technically I'm probably gender fluid I don't really like I probably this is like the first time I've ever like publicly said that outside of just like a few conversations with people um but I don't know I also just don't like to put myself in a box, (laughs) even though like that's not really a box, but I just am like so afraid of labels, I think because of our upbringing. So I'm like, I'm just me. I'm Margaret. And uh, whatever I feel today is what I'm going to put on. So I literally, I do not have one style. I have multiple things. Some days I'm wearing like baggy jeans and flannel shirts and I have my hair up in a top bun showing off my shaved sides like half my head shaved which is amazing because I can literally go from feminine to masculine in two seconds with my hair Um, and then other days I'm wearing flowy maxi dresses and jewelry and I've got my hair curled and that's me it's like hey whatever I feel today is what I'm going to express and I'm just me so yeah I love that thank you all right thanks Agnes thanks (laughs) we believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things wherever you are if you are able close your eyes take a deep breath in and out and reflect on something that you are grateful for today we are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today and we hope you have a beautiful week
If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.